Welcome, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Ash. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure, mate. And uh, Josh, what I'd like to ask uh, our guests is um, pretty much how they got into education. And I think yours is quite an interesting story. If you uh, want to share about uh, your journey into this world of education before we get into uh, or dive deeper into what you do and um, more about the St Kilda Football Club and the Danny Frawley Centre. Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose it goes right back to high school, kind of when, you know, the same story, you do VCE and then you get asked at a young age of 18, you know, what do you want to do? And I kind of I loved my footy, um, like a lot of boys in that era and um, decided, you know, I want to continue on that path and learn a bit more about, you know, fitness and, and exercise and how to be at your best physically. So I studied um, exercise sports science, actually, um, and did that for three years at ACU. And, um, you know, throughout that time started to, I was working at, um, you know, school holiday programs and school camps um, yep. just to, you know, make some money through as a poor uni student does. And, um, yeah, through that time, you know, really started to enjoy, you know, connecting with kids and passing on, you know, some knowledge of them that I had in terms of footy and, you know, the outdoors and things like that. And um, exercise science kind of is one of those, it's kind of this arts degree of sports, they like to call it. You know, it's just, you know, some people say it's a glorified PT, but no, look, you do, you do learn a lot of good skills. And um, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. So, I ended up um, taking a year off and I travelled. I went travelling around Europe and did the whole backpacking and um, and then ended up going to Southeast Asia in Cambodia and I, I, um, I volunteered over there for um, about a month teaching English at a um, remote village there and really, really loved that experience and kind of off the back of that, reflecting on that, I thought, no, I, I, um, I think teaching's for me. Um, so, yeah, I applied to do the Masters of um, Education at Monash and, and, and did that. And, um, yeah, then, then went from there. I, um, I did my placements and I actually didn't go into teaching straight away. I ended up then heading up to the Northern Territory. And what was it in the Northern Territory? Yeah, so I've, I was actually, sorry, three quarters of the way through my Masters, I, um, I, I saw an, a job ad um, for... Uh, in the Northern Territory in a remote Indigenous community running um, AFL programs in the local football competition out there. Um, yeah. It's part of it was a government initiative to use football as that social driver for, for change. And, um, you know, I saw, you know, I love footy. I always um, was interested in, in Indigenous culture, but being from um, the Mornings Peninsula down in Victoria, yeah. um, it, you don't get much exposure to many other cultures. And I was really interested yeah. about that. So I kind of, fitted for me and it was experience to get out of Vic and so I applied and got the job and, and made the shift and so I moved up there. Um the community was about it's about five hours south um west of Darwin. Mm. Um and yeah so I did that for two years. Um and in a lot of ways it's still although it wasn't teaching it isn't a lot because it's about you know the whole role was building capacity for local community members to be able to run the competitions and the footy clinics themselves and kind of teaching the coaches how you would run like an Auskick clinic or something like that. So there's yep. still a lot of teaching elements in it, but um, uh, not teaching formally, I suppose. Mm, absolutely. So did you, did you ever go in a classroom ever? 
Well, have I ever been in a classroom? As in like uh, as a yeah. being paid as a teacher. As a teacher specifically. Yeah. So then I did that for two years um, and I came back and, and then, you know, COVID hit. Yeah. The world changed. Yeah. Um, and I was just taking some time off. You know, I'd, I'd been living in a pretty isolated place for a few years, uh, you know, two and a half years. And I yeah. thought I'll just, I'll just take a bit of a break. And then, you know, kind of as COVID was hitting, I was like, oh, geez, actually. I need a job here. So I applied and I applied for um, a PE maths position at a, a secondary school in Victoria and got the role. And so I, I did my, my grad year, yeah. which, um, you know, a lot of people say is, you know, you know, easy, challenging year, you know, first year teaching. And um, I was lucky enough to do my grad year through, through COVID. So I was in a classroom. I did start teaching um, in a classroom for the first part, but then, you know, we're in and out of lockdown. So a lot of that year, we were going from, you know, changing lessons from um, in person. Yeah. And then we're trying to do change lesson plans and scope and sequences back into remote learning. and um, But it was an interesting experience. But, yeah, I have been in a classroom. But, um, uh, yeah, not 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 that long. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. And I love that story, how you actually got into education or really interested in, the, I guess, the education, working with young people in that experience in Cambodia. It's, some, it's interesting that sometimes you have something in life that really, I guess, puts you on your path. And for that, same for your experience, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I just, I've always, you know, even from a young age, I've felt that, you know, I, um, through high school, always loved um, kids and, 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 um, and teaching. And um, I'm, I'm the oldest of um, my family and I've got a lot of cousins and, you know, would always, te- um, especially with sport, teaching them. And, mm. and I, I just felt that, it's, that that was the cherry on top going, in, you know, in another place like that. And um, I remember a specific story that, that they'd never heard of cricket before. And so <laughs> teaching all these Cambod- Cambod- Cambodian kids how to play cricket and things like that, you know, just um, the satisfaction from that, yeah. you know, you go, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, as you would know, Ash, teaching um, has its challenges at times, but, you know, seeing, um, you know, the rewards in, you know, seeing them learn and grow and, and change mm. over time. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's brilliant. And um, I guess now where you are at the moment, you're at the St Kilda Football Club and you're overseeing the um, Danny Frawley Centre. Can you tell us about that? Because I think um, and this is one of the purposes for talking today. I, I think professional sporting teams and clubs have a can play a vital role in the, in the mental health or well-being space because they are role model, particularly the players and the clubs themselves, that they're, they're a role model club, they're role model people within the club. And I think from my experience, from what I've seen of uh, having partnerships with some professional sporting organisations, particularly the Adelaide Crows in Adelaide, a little bit with St Kilda where you are at, um, and you can see that when um, the players if not in person, on videos, and they're talking about how they use gratitude and um, strengths-based um, skills in their life. You and I could talk about it, but when they are, it, it takes it to that next level. And I, and I think um, school, uh, sorry, professional sporting clubs could play, play a massive role in this space. I think St Kilda really identified that. And can you tell us a little bit about your role at the club um, and maybe elaborate a bit more on for that, what I was just speaking about um, as a role yeah what it comes from play yeah certainly ash so i think massively you know um the, the national sport you know um the players play a massive part in being role models in the community and i think you know um 
to be an elite athlete takes so much um, professionalism. It takes so much dedication. Um, and, you know, in a classroom setting, for example, like um, a lot of our programs we take out to sporting clubs that we also run in schools. Yeah. But, you know, in a classroom setting, you know, the kids have obviously they've got to be there. Um, you know, they, they, they hear their, the teachers, you know, say the same things over and over. Then you get someone um, from a professional sporting club come to their sporting club in their space that they choose to be. And it can be the same content we're teaching in schools. But when you go out to a sporting club and, you know, an under-14s team hears that their sporting club, they really listen mm. and they really take it in. Um, and, you know, like we're all motivated by, um, by sport. And I think that um, it's almost clubs have that responsibility to, to not only um, drive the, 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 the sport but also have that impact in the community. And so mm. now we've got the Danny Frawley Centre, um, that we have this opportunity, huge platform to have the huge community impact in mental health and wellbeing that our vision is not only for our local area around the southeast, but um, countrywide. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a special, I've been to the centre and it's, it's a fantastic facility. Um, and can you, just for those people who don't know, how did the Danny Frawley Centre come about and what's... What's it sort of about, just to give you a bit of context behind it? Yeah. So the Danny Frawley Centre, I mean, it was a vision started um, before I started at the club. So I, um, so Ash, from, for, for, for context, yeah, so I'm the community programs manager at the Saints, but I actually started um, on a pilot program that the Saints ran before the Danny Frawley Centre actually opened. It was called the Thrive Program. Mm. And that was all, it was a pilot um in the southeast around grabbing a positive psych framework, which Ash, I know you use a lot, you know, um, in your work, and to try and translate that from a school setting. And as I was talking about before, around how, um, you know, in a sporting context, we seem to get kids really absorb the information um, sometimes at a deeper level than they would in a classroom, mm. um, to really pick up that framework and try and translate it into sporting clubs because we found a real... Um, kind of gap in the market that, um, you know, kids are more likely to come to their coaches at, at a sporting club about some things that are going on about these wellbeing issues than they might with their parents or their teachers. Mm. But all these coaches and clubs aren't necessarily equipped with all these skills that they need um, to be able to support their teams and players. So um, we started this pilot around translating some of these post-psych, you know, positive education framework into the sport, into um, the sporting club lens, and really being able to share some of that information to really have that safety net for sporting clubs to lean on to be able to support their um, players. And so it's no different now. From, since that pilot, we kind of scaled that up from the the Danny Frawley Centre. So obviously, um, you know, for listeners that don't know, Danny Frawley was a famous St Kilda player, captain of the club, um, and he was a massive advocate advocate for um talking about mental health and and checking in on your mates and um he's he's his legacy um now gets to live through this center so through um state local and federal funding um the St Kilda were at St Kilda Footy Club were able to find enough funding to build this this center that we're in now um and it's it's at Moorabbin it's next to RSEA Park um and it's got um, you know, a 25-meter pool downstairs, a hydrotherapy pool. It's got a recovery center, uh, which is you know you've got your um, 
ice baths and saunas and everything down there. But upstairs, we've got a huge education space where we run all of our mental health programs um, that I'm sure we might talk about soon. Um, but then also we've got um, the second part of the building, there'll be a gym and then some rooms upstairs that we're going to be able to run group sessions out of. And, um, you know, the, the dating for all these centres really at the um, the first in its class around really looking at well-being holistically, mm. you know, that we know that we talk about physical fitness so much um, and how important that is to overall health. But our message really is um, is about that mental being mentally fit is just as important as physical fitness. Mm. And you don't have to um, be mentally unwell to, to do things for your mental health. So you can, just like you can always, you don't have to be, physically unwell to look after your physical fitness just the same with mental mental health you can you can always look after you you can always do more for your mental fitness mm. so really here our our kind of motto is um you know we our term we use mental fitness working on our mental fitness yeah um and we've got four different pillars that we that we work on so the the whole center is based around um mental fitness education programs mental fitness and physical fitness training. So that could be obviously physical fitness training. Everyone knows about group sessions, going to the gym, doing swimming laps in the pool, but also guided meditation sessions and lots of other um, group kind of mental fitness training. Um, Mental fitness services. So that could be one-on-one coaching um, by clinical professionals, but also it could be, um, you know, social workers and other, anyone that wants to improve their mental mental fitness in a one-on-one basis Mm. um just like you know um ceos do one-on-one you know leadership coaching and performance like that we want to do we want to have that kind of model kind of a mental fitness coaching model and then our fourth um pillar is our research and translation which which is all about making sure that everything we do is informed by research um but also then building out some some new areas of research you know at the moment um we're we're building out a 12-week program through Monash that's going to um, see, we're going to do a 12-week meditation performance mindfulness course over 12 weeks with the AFL women and then really test to see if that improves um, performance in a sports sense. Um, So obviously that was a lot Mm. to digest just then, but that's pretty much the overview of what... The Danny for all, how it came about, yep. um, really embodying Danny's legacy of belonging, mm. um, and then kind of a bit about the roadmap of of, of what we're doing and where we're going. Mm. No, it's absolutely brilliant, and um, it's a it's just such a a great thing, and it's not just for the St Kilda Football Club players; it's, it's for the community, isn't it? So schools can come in there and have sessions ran by St Kilda, or St Kilda go out to schools. Um, it's for I think it's going to be open up to the general public. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So this is all for the general public. So yeah. obviously the centre, you know, there's some times that the the um, AFL men's and women's programs use the space, use yep. the recovery centre and things like that. Um, but um, for the most part, the the centre is for the community and to have community impact. You know, we know there are massive gaps um, in the in the system at the moment around mm. um, uh, mental health and health services out there and we think we can play a vital role in supporting the community and, and and doing things a bit a bit different you know using sport as that hook and the driver 
um, you know, we, we want to talk about, we want to get people in the centre, you know, that really bridging the gap between um, health and sport and bringing them together mm. because we know that that's where the impact can really can really happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you were saying before about the about the mental fitness, how it's, it can be a continuous practice. Like you could, things could be going really well, but you really want to keep that practice up. So if you do have a bad day or going through a rough time, hopefully because you have been practicing, you've got skills to call on to actually implement, to help yourself feel better. Well, that's right. And I think that's where um, for so long we've, we've looked at mental health as, okay, you need to go see a psychologist or a professional when you're not feeling great yes. and then you need to do an intervention accordingly. Mm. Yep. And we've looked at a negative sense. Yep. But we need to flip that around now. And the message mm. needs to be, you know, like we, we need to be, even when we're at our, you know, feeling the best, like our yep. life, we're going just amazingly well, nothing's going wrong in our life but we still need to be um, doing like practicing and doing the skills and improve our mental fitness at all times. Cause inevitably at some point we're going to um, face some adversity in life, but hopefully if we've done, you know, we, we do the um, whether it's meditation, whether it's value guided action, whatever the intervention is, we're practicing those things, gratitude, all of these things, they hold it. If we um, are good at those things, it holds us in good stead, stead when we face adversity, you know, kind of like bending, not breaking. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's that, it's that traditionally, as you just so, um, so I guess, just go with what you said. It's like we, as a society, we use that reactive approach. So we wait until things happen or something not so good happen to our mental health, then go and see someone. But this is a proactive approach to to get on the front foot and, I guess, it's more of a prevention model, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? That's right, to prevent, yeah. yeah. And, you know, on on top of that too, you know, this is – you don't have to – like some people also think that, okay, if I've got anxiety or I've got a, um, a mental illness, I, I need to um, go see a, a, a um, clinician and get a, a, an intervention, CBT therapy, whatever it is. And, yes, yeah. that's yeah. important. But that's you can right. also be yeah. doing all these – um, proactive approaches as well. And it's for anyone on any of the spectrum, whether you've got a mental illness or you don't, we can always be doing things to improve our mental fitness. And mm. I think that um, kind of stigma around mental health is really starting to change. Um, mm. And, you know, I think it's even more powerful when you can put the two together, physical fitness and mental fitness. Like imagine, imagine swimming laps, but then also having a coach that's coaching you to swim laps in a pool, but also mm. at the same time, doing mindfulness practice while you're doing that yeah. or sitting in um, a recovery in a sauna and meditating at the same time yeah. and, and, and merging the two together. There's not that the power in that mm. is amazing. You know, that's something like um, what, you know, the um, it's really come out lately around ice baths and breathing and cold water therapy and, and you know, controlling the breathing and things like that. Um, we're starting to see more and more interventions where the, the two are merged together. Mm, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense as well. And and just the through physical activity for your own mental health anyway, like doing intense exercise for me, this is what I like to do, start the day with it. And I do really intense physical activity. It's kind of a form of mindfulness because I can't think of anything else because I can't breathe. <laughs> it's just sort of focused in on it, but you feel great afterwards. It, but it, exactly, it, it yeah. is. And, you know, um, I'm stealing this from our head um, psychologist at the club, Dr. Ben Robbins, and he does some amazing work and, and presentations and presents 
to um, clubs and businesses. And, and he talks about the fact that, you know, mindfulness for a lot of people and meditation, you know, they've got this idea in their head, it's sitting on a mountaintop, mm. um, you know, with your legs crossed and having incense and doing all that. And look, it can be that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. mindfulness can also be just as informal as, um, you know, when you're having your coffee in the morning, sitting there with and doing nothing and literally just concentrating on the taste of the coffee. Yeah. And, how, and it's something similar. When you're running, just mm. literally thinking about um, running and, and being in the, in the present moment yep. right then and there. It doesn't have to be about sitting there for 10 minutes and mm. meditating. There's yep. lots of ways we can bring mindfulness into our lives um, in an informal way. Absolutely. And um, yeah, just to build on that, my good mate and um, colleague, Dale, colleague Dale Sidebottom, who we, well, I do some workshops with, he, he's massive on play-based mindfulness. So he's all about playing games and making it fun, people having a laugh, but all, and they're not worried about anything else because they just concentrate on this game. And that's yep. his way of um, practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah, you're right. It's, it's one of those things that's... Um, it's so open to interpretation of what it is and it, it can be anything really. It's just finding what works for you, being in that moment, being present with what you're doing really. Yeah. And, you know, like it's catching yourself in those times where you're just ruminating or, you know, you, you might be having negative thoughts. It's not about fighting with those thoughts. Mm. It's about just um, being in that moment going, I'm thinking like this and the thoughts will pass. And it's all about being um more present because we've all done it before. We're just ruminating over something or playing things in our mind. Or mm. a good example is um, we've all done it driving home from work and you get home and you can't even remember how you got yeah. there because you're in autopilot. Yeah. You know, we've all done yeah. that, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's not being mindful. That's just being stuck in thought. Yeah. And so catching yourself when you realize you're stuck in thought is just, it's like a repetition for your brain. Like yeah. a, a doing that, the more you can do that and the more you can click yourself back out of those thoughts into the present moment, mm. the more mindful you can be. Mm. Absolutely, mate. That's brilliant. And I guess from a um, professional athlete's point of view, do they, what we're sort of talking about here, do they actually incorporate that? I know you spoke about the 12-week um, research project with the AFLW, the women's team at St Kilda. Do the, um, I know that well, St Kilda just finished their, the men's team had just finished their season, but do they actually practice a lot of these mental well-being skills during the season every week every week every week so um you know the the players you think about it you know they say 80 percent 90 percent of performance you know or even more is Mm. in your head right Mm. the decisions you make on the field your motor skills everything that's all mental okay yes you've got the physical attributes you need to be able to um run certain distances um, and all those kind of things. But um, the mental element of the game is the requirements of that. It's the biggest it's ever been, right? Mm. So um, Dr. Ben Robbins, who obviously I just spoke about before, he works with the players every week on mindfulness strategies, meditation. So they'll do meditation, um, you know, in the grandstands here at the Danny Frawley Centre. They all have... um, these kind of meditation speakers that they all take home with them and do um, meditation at home. Um, They're doing meditation all the time um, and they're using it to be able to get them back into a present moment, right? So you think about it, you're in a game, you're trying to make a decision or or say you've made a poor decision and you're ruminating on that poor decision you've made, you've turned the ball over or Mm. maybe you're thinking about a poor umpiring decision. If um, If you're unmindful or not mentally fit, 
Mm. and you stay in that negative thought pattern of what's just happened in the past for too long, Mm. then that's impacting your performance because you can't think about where you need to be next. So the players are constantly practicing, catching themselves and moving on from that contest or that bad decision. And um, mindfulness is a great way to do that, getting yourself out of the past and getting back into the present moment. Mm. So they're practicing that, you know, um, it's just part of their program, just like they – they all got their strength and conditioning sessions. They've got their mindfulness session too. And, you know, if you looked at every AFL club now, um, I would say not that I'm in the inner sanctum in any of those other clubs, I'd say that'd be a big part of what they do as well. Mm, absolutely. That's that's brilliant. Like, and I think um, such an important skill, not just for sport, but for um, life in general, isn't it? To be able to like, understand well, what happens happened, but what happens next is the most important thing. And it's not always easy to... Thing like that but the good thing about it is we can train our brains to actually do it but it takes that practice that, that we've been talking about oh absolutely absolutely i mean and it's 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 again at, at the danny frawley center what we're trying to encourage is that you know this is a lifelong thing you know mm-hmm. it's this this is this is something that if we can slowly get you know um the community to understand that you know it's this doesn't have to be something that for example meditation doesn't have to be something that um you do 10 times a day Yep. 10 minutes in the morning is enough. It's yes. proven it's yep. enough to be able to improve staying in the present moment, not remaining in the past, not worrying about the future and staying mm. on the task at hand, yep. improving concentration. Um, yeah. You know, um, we've got some really good people here. We've got like um, two other psychologists at the Danny Foley Center here that are, are working on a lot of different programs. Um, you know, I'm, um, I'm lucky enough to be able to work with them that, really pass on that not a lot of that knowledge to me mm. um so we're going to build out a lot of more programs um to be able to then go out to schools and sports clubs and really share this stuff that the elite level is doing mm. you know because um what they're doing the elite level needs to be shared at community level because it can be so impactful yeah. um yeah. so we're, we're at the very start of our journey but we're really excited to be able to build out these programs to be able to share this kind of stuff out to schools and sporting yeah, clubs absolutely, mate. that's absolutely amazing and just at, currently at the moment, when, for example, a school comes into the Danny Frawley Centre, which I know that has been happening a little bit. Yep. And what are sort of some of the programs or activities that you're doing with those students at the moment, actually in the centre currently? Yeah, sure. So we've got our flagship programs being um, a program called Play to Your Strengths. So that's about the um, VIA character strengths. Yep. Um, all based around positive psychology. So, you know, um, we've all probably heard, you know, the term negativity bias and, um, you know, focusing on the negative so much. And we spoke about that just before, um, you know, in, in a sporting sense, focusing on the, 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 um, the poor decision you made, the turnover, the goal you missed and things like that, or all the things that we're not good at. Mm. And so what the Play to Your Strengths program is all about is not focusing on the things we're not good at, which is what internally um, as humans, um, our negativity bias, genetically, that's what we tend to do. It's about flipping that around and focusing on what our strengths are. So we get a lot of schools coming into that and um, they learn about the 24 different character strengths that we all innately have. And then they go through being able to uh, understand what their top strengths are um, and try and teach the kids that, you know, the top strengths that they have innately, whether it's leadership, hope, gratitude, um, if they play to their top strengths, That'll increase their well-being, their performance at school, um, and and in the sporting context as well. So that's one of our programs. We also run, um, you know, the famous uh, program called Point and Be Proud, which is all about um, standing up to racism. Um, 
And, you know, that that was a program off the back of a documentary that was made around um, Nicky Wimmer pulling up his jumper and pointing to his skin, that proud moment that we all know about. So um, we also run that program in schools and sporting clubs as well. Um, um, and then we've got another partnership with um, Movember, which is called Ahead of the Game, um, that we roll out. And that's all about – that one's more towards how to, you know, especially in young men, um, a lot of them find it very hard to, you know, be, we're getting better now, but being sitting there and being vulnerable yep. um, and having those real conversations, how are you really going, mate? What's really yeah. going on for you? So it's really giving um, young men um, in, in sports clubs the, the framework to be able to have those tough conversations and get support for their, mm. their teammates when they're not doing so well. So they're, th- they're the three programs we currently run. Um, and we're, as I said before, in the mix of um, creating a program for schools and sports clubs around mental fitness. Um, and, you know, that could be a series of workshops where it could be, you know, four one hours. We still work with still very early days. Yep. Um, but, you know, we're working with our, our psychologists here to put that together. And I suppose uh, me having the education lens, not the psychology background, mm. um, you know, I've got to make sure that, you know, the psychologists there that, um you know, have done all the research, we've got to make sure it's um, delivered in a way that's palatable that kids and um, community members can understand. So yeah. I suppose that's my main role is to um, to make sure we can not only deliver it in a way that makes it um, so it's, um, people can understand it, but also in an engaging way, Ash, you know, your programs that you run and the way you teach through play and a lot of games that you do. Um, and we know that from a teaching context, um, you know, learning happens the most when kids are engaged and having fun. Mm. So being able to bring that um, to our workshops is going to be vital. And then I suppose the last part of that is obviously using the Saints brand. Yep. As we said at the very start, being able to leverage the Saints brand. If someone comes in, you know, I'm a psychologist from what for whatever university, the kids might go, oh, yeah, cool, that's pretty cool. But then if someone with the St. Kilda Polo walks in, and we're going to talk about Saints. mental fitness. You've got 30 kids, locked. their <laughs> eyes are locked on. Yeah. You could hear a pin drop ready to listen. So, um, you know, I think all those factors combined, I think that um, hopefully we can have um, a big impact. Absolutely, man. I think um, if those, if, I know that players can't be at all the uh, all the venues, but if they could be on videos and um, talk about how they use their strengths and whatever it might be, yeah, how each middle fit is in there. Exactly. And it just holds, even on those videos, just holds so much weight when the when the players are talking about it. Yeah. Just the, oh, it's just amazing, man. And I reckon that, the whole model that of the Danny Foley Centre that St Kilda have set up for not only their players but the whole community. Imagine if every professional club could do the same thing and impact their community. It would live in a a much more, um, I guess, mentally healthy space in the community and in the world, really. And it's um, who knows? It could happen where there's enough funding to for to give to provide sporting clubs, professional sporting clubs to set up these things. And I think if Danny Frawley um, said, well, they're a good, I guess, case study in a way at the end of the day, if you can um, make it work, then why can't we duplicate it with other clubs as well to create a, a huge impact in the community? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You know, like, you know, you know, these sporting clubs, you know, we've got 60,000 members, mm. right? And so we've got 60,000 people's attention, right? Yeah. And if we're, that is such a great platform to have such a huge impact. Um, I think that if every, you know, sporting code, you know, it's like a religion, right? 
Yeah. And you can, you can, you know, you, you hear a government message or something about looking after your health or maybe it's not drinking as much or doing some exercise and all these things. You hear one thing, but then you hear it from your football club. Yeah. Everybody listens and, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's sport and health. Um, they come together and, and, and I, I, I think um, sport has a massive role, well, does have a massive role to play in community health and always will. Yeah. I oh, couldn't agree more, mate. I absolutely hundred percent. Couldn't agree more, and um, no, it's exactly one of the reasons why I want to. Because I reckon you're a great bloke, but uh, it's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, talk to you today as well. Coming up, Matthias. Mate, um, well, I think it's been a great conversation. So we'll probably leave it there. We've been going for about forty-five minutes, but is um, is there any way that people could connect with yourself and find out a bit more about the Danny Frawley Centre, particularly um, in Victoria? Um, if people are listening for Victoria, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. How can they find out more? Yeah, jump on our website, Danny Frawley Centre. You Google Danny Frawley Centre. It's the first one that comes up. Or you can jump on the St Kilda website and follow that as well. Yep. Um, uh, we've got our email addresses, hello at dannyfrawleycentre.com.au um, and reach out to us. And we're always keen to, not you know, not not only we want to head out to the sporting clubs and, and, and schools to deliver programs, we're keen to partner with some organizations that well, you know, we, as we're not experts at everything and um, we know we've got a great platform um, and a great audience. So um, we're always looking to partner with different organizations, you know, like yourself, Ash, yep. that we've done a lot of work with in the past to, because we know that if the more we can partner with different organizations, the more we can um, create bigger impact. So yeah, jump on our website and send us an email and, um, yeah, get in touch. So, man, we'll put those. Follow us uh, out. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll also follow us on um, Instagram, face, Facebook, and LinkedIn on all the social pipes. You know, you got to plug them on a podcast. Absolutely. And that's Danny. That's for, <laughs> that's specifically for Danny Frawley Centre. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got obviously the St Kilda socials, but we've also got a suite yeah. of Danny Frawley Centre cool. socials as well, which has the content on it as well. Brilliant, mate. We'll put all those in the uh, in the show notes, so you don't have to remember them. We'll, we'll put them in. So, yeah. mate, um, Josh, really appreciate your time, mate. And uh, it was fantastic to hear about um, your story, but also what is happening at the Danny Frawling Centre, which is an amazing facility and the, and the purpose behind it is just incredible. So, well done, mate. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ash. Appreciate it. Pleasure, mate. Yes.